Seinfeld, the calzone is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now here are the guys that one at least knows Dustin Hoffman was not in Star Wars. I am Rob Sisternino, and here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I definitely would have taken that bet if someone offered it to me. Yes, you would be certainly signing on the deadline. Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars. Or Star Trek. He probably Was he in Star Trek? Uh, not yet. Not yet to this point. You think you think they could land him for one of the movies? I mean, I think that it's possible in the J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, reboot world that it's not inconceivable to think that Dustin Hoffman might be appearing. I mean, Idris Elba was in the last one. Why are you comparing Dustin Hoffman to Idris Elba? It's like the first comp that's ever been made between. <laughs> I, I'm just saying when I'm talking about like, uh, you know, A-list actors uh, uh, that, you know, top top upper echelon actors or high B-list actors. This is Rob's idea of the A-list. Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> Idris Elba, Kevin James. <laughs> Kevin James now. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, the second one was with uh, the guy from Sherlock. Oh, big star. The guy from Sherlock. <laughs> What's his name? He must have gotten five points at the end. Cumberbatch. Up front. Ooh, Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like you can get some big names on the Star Trek. The ladies love Cumberbatch. Yeah, I think probably a little more likely that you'd see maybe Dustin Hoffman in like the episode eight or episode nine of Star Wars. I think that's probably a little more likely at this point. I mix up Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman sometimes. Yeah. What's Gene Hackman doing? I think he's retired. He's not dead, I though, Ho- right? I don't know if Dustin Hoffman does much acting either. I don't think he's dead. Okay, good. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, this G- has been uh, Dustin Hoffman update hour. <laughs> yeah, Gene Hackman's uh, 86. How about that? Uh, God bless him. God uh, yeah, bless and uh, Hoffman's turning 70 this summer, so. Okay. I guess he's still probably acting. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the Calzone. We're talking about a fun episode. George Steinbrenner falls in love with Calzones. George needs to go and pick them up. He gets busted at the tip jar, and uh, hilarity ensues. Kramer's putting his clothes in the oven. Elaine is hanging out with Todd Gack, who's making bets about things and saying things aren't a date. Jerry's dating an attractive woman. Lots of stuff going on here in the 20th episode of season seven, Keith. Yeah, we're almost done. Only three more weeks after this. Yeah. April 25th, 1996 is the original air date of the episode written by Alec Berg and Jeff Schaefer. Berg and Schaefer. Yeah. And, you know, you start to feel in this episode like, you know, like when the little throwaway line where Jerry says that, ooh, these, you know, these cigars will be good for George's wedding. Like, we're really in wedding season right now for George. Absolutely. Yeah, we are right around the corner from that. So, all right. So, uh, a fun episode to get to talk about, Keith. Uh, what, besides uh, Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, what else is going on in the world? Well, I was just sent the scariest picture I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so what I'm, was that? I'm kind of recovering from it. What, what did you say? Um, so, uh, frequent listener, Alexander Chester... Uh, he, uh, of course, as usual, he was a day late and uh, a dollar short. He, uh, forgot to send in a picture that would have been very appropriate for the doll, where, mm-hmm. of course, uh, George Costanza's mother has a doll that looks exactly like her. Sure, I remember. Well, Susan has a doll that looks exactly like George's mother. Um, when Chester was living, uh, long distance from his now wife, then girlfriend, and baby mama, um, she made up a doll that uh is chester's face okay and it's truly the scale he just sent it to me right now it's truly the scariest thing i've ever seen in my life is it like a voodoo doll i mean hopefully we'll put some pins in it (laughs) see what happens but i've never seen 
anything. I, I don't know if I could send it to you because I like, you know, the Facebook friends thing. Like I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. It's a Facebook picture, but I'll post it in the uh, in the show notes in the in the in the uh, comment section for this episode. It's really the scariest thing I've ever seen. How canny is the likeness? Is it is it canny? Is it uncanny? It's it's also like weird. It's like a bigger doll. It's more of like a Chucky doll than like the the Estelle Costanza doll wasn't like scary in and of itself it just looked a lot like Estelle Mm -hmm. whereas this is like a like this is like I'm gonna lose sleep tonight over seeing this doll yeah my message that you sent me it says that this message is not available right now I clicked the link yeah you're gonna have to like Facebook friend Chester's wife oh okay well well you don't have to do that I'll I'll figure out a way you might have to just like send me a screenshot right I'll you know what I'll I'll get Chester to send it to me on my computer and then I'll post (laughs) it in in the uh, comments sounds good all right so we will uh take a look at that and see uh what's going on there otherwise uh Keeve we talked last week about Ken Bone being the face of the alt center do we need to walk that back uh you know it's the, the problem with not doing things live, like by the time, you know, we get to the weekend. Yeah. You know, everyone's, you know, the proverbial, uh, you know, Reddit comment thread has been found. Mm-hmm. And we should like I, I feel like now, like if you're not famous, assume that you may become famous overnight and like sort of clean up your Internet history a little bit. I feel like it's a good lesson to us all. Yeah. <laughs> good lesson. Certainly left a lot of money on the table. Yeah. And Ken Bone, you know, it's absurd because he it's not like, oh, he became an overnight sensation and then people found out his backstory. Like he decided to do a Reddit AMA and then forgot, oh, I've posted a bunch of crazy things on Reddit. Like he had the opportunity. Yeah. He could have cleaned up his Reddit or created a new Reddit account before he did a Reddit AMA. Sure. But the type of things he posted are the type of person who never cared to begin with. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if he ever cleaned it up. I don't know. If he, maybe he just doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like you can't fly too close to the sun. And mm-hmm. he tried to do that too fast. Yeah. So we need a new face of the alt middle is what we're saying. Yeah. We're looking for a new face of the alt center. Alt center. We're, we're, people, we definitely had people like members join for sure. People are very into it. People like the idea. Yeah. I don't know who right now is going to join. Hmm. Uh, like who's going to be, who's going to be our, uh, you know, I could tell you who's not invited to be like the face of the alt center. Who? Uh, Todd Bowles. Yes. Jets head coach. He's out. Not invited. Gino Smith, not invited. <laughs> you don't know that. No, he's not invited. Gino is out. There's nothing he can do. I mean, do. on Gino. I don't even want to talk about this. Okay. All right. And Daniel Murphy is out. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> okay. He's all something else. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so let's get into talking about uh, the Calzone, of course, uh, from April 1996, April 25th. And uh, we start off with Jerry doing some stand up about the tip jar. Jerry talking about how that there's just way too much tipping going on. Keeve, this has only accelerated and expanded into more shops and stores, right? Oh, yeah. If you thought there was too much tipping in, in the mid 90s, forget about it now. You got to tip everything. Yeah. I mean, tip jar at Starbucks, tip jar at Chipotle, tip jar, basically any sort of anywhere. There's a tip jar. Yeah, I was reading some article about like this guy as a dare got like a like a journalist got like an $850 haircut in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And so the, the article was about like this $800 haircut or whatever. But then, like, he casually mentions at the end, like, yeah, he had to add, like, $400 in tips. Wow. Yeah. You'd think that, like, the $800 haircut, they could, like, pay their employees. But anyway, yeah, tips are out of control. Yeah. And I say this as someone who's never worked in the service industry. <laughs> right. Uh, they couldn't just ask Chester about the $800 haircut? I don't get it. 
No, it seems like that that would be something that he might be interested in. Yeah. Uh, Chester, if you get an $800 haircut, you could come on the podcast next week. Who got really caught up in that? Was that John Edwards or John Kerry that they were saying got the $800 haircut? I think Edwards had like super expensive haircuts. I don't know. He was like a fancy trilor. I feel like it was him. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think he just told people he was going for $800 haircuts, but really he was, you know. Going to have affairs. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you got to throw out something crazy to get them thinking and not worried about like what you're actually doing, which is also crazy. But you also have to be like really rich that people be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. $800 haircuts. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about George at Yankee Stadium in a meeting and he's eating a calzone in a meeting with everybody. Nobody else seems to be eating lunch, right? Uh, Yeah, that's like a power move, right? First of all, eating in a meeting when it's just you Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the boss is there. Yeah. And he wants to know, hey, what are you eating? And uh, it's a calzone. And so he has to pass it down there. Like, uh, how has George Steinbrenner never heard of a calzone? Listen, when you're rich, people come to you. You don't go to things. So it's, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. I feel like people like that have never heard of lots of things. Yeah. This is a weird calzone, I feel like. Cheese, pepperoni, eggplant. Keeve, now, have you ever partaken in the calzone? Yeah, I love calzones. Uh, yeah, this sounds like an everything calzone. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That's a weird combo. Pepperoni, eggplant, calzone. Well, I don't, I've never had pepperoni. It's not kosher, so I don't really know what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it from the game Pizza Party, the children's uh, board game. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the pizza topics. Yeah. That's the only thing I know about it. Uh, is there a pepperoni comp? Is there any sort of a processed mm. spiced meat that you have as a reference? Mm, I think there is, but I, I still don't know it. Like, yeah. They probably they have it and I don't know, but... Uh, I'm, I'm all for eggplant. I don't, but I, that wouldn't be like my main ingredient in a calzone. That would not be my calzone order. <laughs> no, probably not. But uh, Big Stein is very taken with the eggplant here. Big Stein wants an eggplant calzone. Yeah, I do like the Big Stein nickname that should have put on <laughs> yeah. like in real life with George Steinbrenner. Now, I do feel like that in this episode overall, I do feel like they are getting uh, either, I don't know if I want to say sloppy, but they are really not even trying, I feel like, with matching up the Steinbrenner voiceover with Steinbrenner's actions. Yeah, well, again, we don't know like exactly when they're, like if, if in post they think of a funnier line, it seems like they're willing to add it, even though it doesn't really flow with like what's going on in the room sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, also, we are seeing a lot of like side profile Steinbrenner, which really looks nothing like real George Steinbrenner. No, they they take too many liberties and it gets a little (laughs) tricky. Yeah, we're really just like it's there's an actor there. He looks nothing like Steinbrenner. We're not really trying to match up the voice. And uh, look, I'm cracking up laughing through the whole thing. But it's really we are just like very getting very loosey goosey. Yeah, this could be one of, if not the best, Steinbrenner episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one we did a couple of weeks ago where he went to go visit Frank and Estelle over that George has died. Uh, that was pretty good. But uh, this probably may be the most iconic Steinbrenner storyline. Yes. Okay. So we see Elaine and Jerry. And Elaine is talking about how she's going on a date with Todd Gack. Todd Gack bet Elaine Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars. She won the bet and Todd Gack has to take her to dinner. I have to say Todd Gack is an inspired name. It's a great name. Very uh, so-so forgettable character in Seinfeld lore. Um, I guess. I mean, we've had, definitely had worse like random guest stars that never showed up again. 
Um, but uh, I do love the name Gak. Yeah, it's a good name. And they even talk about it a lot during the episode. But other than Todd Gak, his name, this guy is just, you know, very replacement level Elaine boyfriend. Well, I, I wouldn't call her the boyfriend. I think Elaine would object to that. Elaine love interest. Yes. Or or platonic friend. I guess that yeah, that's just really what it yeah, comes down pal. to. All right. Kramer comes in. He's pumped up. He's got his clothes just out of the dryer. It's a wonderful feeling. Keeve, you like the clothes out of the dryer? Ooh, yeah, it's great. It is nice if you can get it, if you can get it to work. And so Kramer says he's never going to not wear clothes out of the dryer. Yeah. I mean, that involves like being home a lot, being around dry cleaners like all day. Because right. as nice of a feeling as it is, it completely goes away within five minutes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And also that the washer and dryer, I think, are in the basement of this building. So this is very tricky. We see Kramer needing to get quarters. It seems like that the dryer operates with just one quarter at this building. I mean, 1996, that wouldn't blow my mind if you just needed a quarter. I feel like we've talked about this before, but I feel like the last apartment I lived in, it was like, you know, six or seven quarters to operate the washer or the dryer. One of like the weird things about like the American economy is like if you live in certain areas like Mm -hmm. Long Island, sometimes with parking meters and stuff like that, like quarters have this like. You know, I'll just like if I don't live there anymore. So I like just give people my quarters if I have them because it's like they're so valuable to people, you know, some people need quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Quarters are huge. Um, yeah. But like, you know, but if you don't live in like a place where you need them for parking meters or dry or, you know, dry cleaner, they have no value. Yeah. And now quarters are not as big to me now as they were a couple of years ago. Yeah. You're in L.A. Nothing costs a quarter. You have to put dollars in the dry cleaner. <laughs> well, well, the apartment I was living in, I said that you know, like they were like, oh, I got to do my laundry. I need all the, I need as many quarters as I can get. I'm going to like the supermarket. Please. Can I have a roll of quarters? I just I'm desperate for quarters. Uh, I mean, this is like such a change heavy episode, but I think now it's a lot of debit cards. Like even I, I feel like we've gone away from change altogether. Not in apartment buildings, maybe like if you're going in some bougie laundromat. But I think that most of these uh, like washers and dryers that are in apartment buildings are still going to be using quarters. I don't think there's a lot of bougie laundromats. Like oh, if you're there's bougie, bougie laundromats. No, baby. there's not. If you're bougie. Yeah, then- they have the Wi-Fi. Yep. I, have you been to a bougie laundromat? Yeah, and you pay with a card. I feel like if you're really bougie, just someone comes to your house. Like Chester was like the biggest problem in his life last week was that um, his his uh, one of his eight doormen gave the uh, gave his like clean clothes to the laundromat to reclean. Oh boy! And he was like, it's all he could think about for a day. Well, there's bougie and there's like the one percent. Oh right, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what do you, you think? Know. Bougie's is bougie top five percent then? <laughs> I think it's uh, even higher than, that, or I think it's even more broad than that. You think it's like top ten percent is bougie? Yeah, I, I mean, bougie by definition is like sort of like uh like almost the bourgeoisie. Like you're not necessarily in that group, but you're you right. know aspiring towards it. Right. Uh, so it's like top, I can't go higher than top ten though. Okay, fine, fair enough. And so we find out that Jerry also has a date with a woman named Nikki. She is a beautiful woman that has powers to be able to get people to do anything she wants. Nikki's pretty interesting. She is interesting. And I'm not sure if I like her. Yeah, I don't know either. I th- they didn't give her a lot to do. Like she is an important part of the episode, but she barely speaks like a la Susan sometimes. Mm hmm. You know, I was looking at her. I was like to look up these, you know, the love interest actors and see what they were up to. 
this is really, I think she may have been a 90210 for an episode, but like, this is her only uh, real like role of her whole career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, there is some, there is some uh, maybe theories to what happened thereafter, but I, you know, I, I couldn't verify them, so I won't say. Um, but if someone, here's a, here's a test for our listeners. If someone can find without, other than just like a random Reddit thread, that's clearly just spreading false or questionable information. What happened to Nikki or Danette Taze? I'll uh, follow up with that next week. Okay, good. See if we can and get there's a few names. Answers. There's Danette. She's, she's uh, credited as uh, Danette Taze, but I am to be her as her as Dylan Taze. And neither of them are her real name. She has a third name. Hmm. She's a woman of mystery. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if someone can find her, don't like harass her online or anything. Yeah, please you do can not. find her. Let me know. No. Please do not. <laughs> okay. So we go back to George uh, with Steinbrenner and uh, we see that now George has brought Steinbrenner some calzones and uh, Steinbrenner is on the phone and he's having a conversation and they're talking about setting up a lost and found at Yankee Stadium. Steinbrenner is against the idea of a lost and found, yet George is pro lost and found and he gets Steinbrenner to sign off on a lost and found with a time limit. Keith, I believe this is the second time this season that the idea of a lost and found is brought up. Why is this so important of a concept to the Seinfeld writers? I have no idea. And it's also, it seems like, it seems baffling that they wouldn't have had one by now. Well, so why is Steinbrenner against a lost and found? I mean, because he's like a misanthrope and you have to like staff. That's another person you have to pay to, you know, to be there at the lost and found. And plus, like, he'd probably just rather take people's stuff. <laughs> is that what it is? I mean, uh, Steinbrenner does say that, you know, if you lose something, you lose it. That's it. We're not running a pawn shop here. Yeah. You ever, are you ever have you ever been a beneficiary of the lost and found? I don't think so. You know what I've noticed a lot of on Twitter the last few weeks? What's that? A lot of like celebrities using Twitter to like because they like left their iPad or iPhone on a plane. Hmm. It's like I feel like I feel like airlines are, have like need to have like a thousand people and they're lost and found. It's like full time job for so many people. Just like some guy leaves the especially the iPad very easy to leave in like that front pocket of the yeah in front of you of a plane. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe Apple needs to make that be some sort of a thing where iOS uh, 11, you know, lost and found. I mean, they do find my phone on there. So uh, I don't know. I think it's probably if you have that set up, I think you can just track where your thing is. Yeah, but the type of people who lose them are the type of people who are responsible enough not to have set it up in the first place. <laughs> yeah. All right. So George was loving this idea that he got the lost and found uh, to to work out. All right. So we go to the movie theater and uh, we see Elaine is waiting with Todd Gack to go see a movie. They are going to see Blame It on the Rain. They wanted to see Means to an End. It was sold out. I mean, I like Means to an End because it would never be the name of a movie. (laughs) They both sound terrible. They're both. They're two of the least, you know, appetizing sort of appealing uh, Seinfeld movies. But Blame It on the Rain sounds like it could be a movie, whereas Means to an End would would maybe be like a student short film. (laughs) Like it's nothing. Yeah. In the past, they sort of had more descriptive movie titles where it's like, oh, Death Blow, you know what that movie is about. But yeah, neither of these really, do you have a good sense of what the movie is going to be? No, Blame It on the Rain is, I guess, like there was a movie Hard Rain where it just like rains really hard the whole time and it's hard to hear everyone. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like ruins the movie that it's raining so hard. Yeah. Um, 
like so i guess blame it on the rain is is like a prequel to hard rain or something like that perhaps uh you know maybe maybe it's like a game a baseball game that keeps getting rained out (laughs) well do you think that they optioned the millie vanilli song what's the millie vanilli song blame it on the rain yeah Oh, how would I know that? No, I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I know thought you were a, a person that was alive during Hammer Time. Yeah, but Millie Vanilli, I was out on. Didn't they like lose their Grammy for lip syncing? Yeah, I mean, well after they had a big hit song, "Blame It on the Rain." No, I, I don't remember "Blame It on the Rain." I might be, I might have been like a year too young for that. Maybe, <laughs> but but means to an end. I don't know. What if it's like a guy who's so mean that uh, he gets killed? That's possible. That's terrible. Keith, do you think that thematically what about Natron means <laughs> Natron me? It's a Natron means life story. Uh, do you think that thematically yes. blame it on the rain has anything to do with how then we get a big rainstorm in this episode? Is this sort of foreshadowing? No, I, I think it's total coincidence. Okay, we shouldn't blame the Kramer's lack of being able to get a calzone for George at the end of the episode on the rain. I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, there's no. It would it would nothing we've seen so far would lead me to believe that they put like little Easter eggs in the beginning of the episode for about something at the end of the episode. But it is weird that like the rain does cause the like sort of the main, uh, you know, like drama in the episode. But I think it's a major coincidence. Okay, we're overanalyzing this. Probably. We've been accused of that before. All right. So here comes Jerry with Nikki and they want to see means to an end as well. It's sold out. But Nikki is able to go to the theater manager and get tickets to see the show. Is this plausible? Could an attractive woman get tickets to a movie that is sold out? Yeah, because, I, I you know, they could always uh, like I don't know if they have an exact number of seats. Like, I don't know if it's like an airline where they a movie theater could overbook or underbook or they could, you know, if they really wanted to do something for a VIP. They could always like offer, you know, the people like 10 free movie passes to skip this one and wait for the next movie. So they're really they're going to talk somebody out of going into this theater, into this movie, just because this attractive woman asked the manager just to do it. I think I think it's more of the first thing where I think they save a couple tickets for like a VIP or maybe employees of the theater or something like that. Wow. There's no way that there's like 170 seats in the theater and they sell exactly 170. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I'd be curious to know if anybody's ever able to work in a movie theater and if this is a thing that happens. Yeah, let us know if you're a movie theater worker. Yeah. I mean, this is so unusual to me because I feel like that the trope is that the attractive woman, as being the manipulative, attractive woman in this case, uh, needs not go and do this herself. That because her manipulation powers are so strong, she's able to say, Jerry, I want to go see the movie. Go get those tickets for me. Like her her manipulation would be one level further back. Like nobody has like this attractive woman assassin who they can just direct to go do their bidding. Right. She's like the most self-aware, beautiful woman on earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like it's weird. I also think the type of person that that uh, Nikki is in this episode and it changes with age. Sometimes you become more aware. I, the type of person who gets things their entire life just because of how attractive they are often doesn't realize that the world is different for them than anybody else. Mm-hmm. No, she's super self-aware. Nikki's self-aware, but I think in real life, often, but not always, that type of person is 
that's just all they've ever known, you know? Yeah. So they they don't even realize they get special treatment. This woman would be the greatest survivor winner of all time, and it's not close. <laughs> Easily. I, 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 it may be, she may be too much of a threat. She's such an obvious threat. No, there like would be no point. resistance to her whatsoever. She's like a figure from Greek mythology. No one can resist the siren song, Keeve. Yeah, I am, I am kind of interested in Nikki. It's kind of sad that this is it for Nikki. Mm-hmm. It's an, okay. it's an, the idea of Nikki is at least interesting. So Jerry and Nikki, they go see their movie and Elaine has to go see Blame It on the Rain with Todd Gack. So back at the diner, Jerry and George are talking and hey, guess what? Lost and Found is coming to Yankee Stadium because George is like a drug dealer. Steinbrenner has had one taste of the calzone and now he's hooked as well. There's an interesting parallel I was thinking about between like the Elaine Gack relationship and the George Steinbrenner relationship. But George is like the incompetent Todd Gack, whereas like Todd Gack realized like this loophole, right, where if you keep coming up with excuses to see a person, you can keep hanging out with them. Mm -hmm. And George sort of like lucked, whereas Todd Gack is like super aggressive about it. George lucks into like getting FaceTime with literally the boss um, every single day and is like mostly it's just problematic for him, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's almost indifferent towards it. He can't get out of it. No, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I like it. Yeah, whereas Todd Gack is probably like successful in real life. Uh, right. I think he is successful in real life. You know, according to Elaine saying George is right. George is like, uh, you know, he's he's almost like uh, thrown off by this idea of like, oh, man, got to have, uh, you know, lunch with the CEO again. Yeah. George is talking with Jerry about how now that he's sitting in on these phone calls, basically he's at Steinbrenner's desk for an hour a day and he's the go to guy on these phone calls. And so after the lost and found story, Jerry says, boy, uh, with you two at the helm, the last piece of the puzzle is in place. How much credit do the 1996 World Series champion Yankees owe to the Calzones that George Costanza brought to George Steinbrenner. Ooh, like, I mean, we don't even know what the what the follow up is with the uniforms in the oven. Like, it's possible that's how they caught fire as a team, right? Yes, they caught fire because their uniforms were literally on fire. Uh, this episode aired April 25th, 1996, just uh, six months and a day later, the 1996 New York Yankees would win the World Series. Right. Like people credit, you know, Wade Boggs eating chicken, but they didn't know that he was eating chicken Cal's underwear while while his while his, uh, you know, jersey was being, uh, you know, put in the uh, in pizza the oven. oven. The, yeah. <laughs> they probably have pizza ovens at Yankee Stadium now. Oh, for like the, you know, maybe not in the, the clubhouse, but sure. Up, upstairs were for the uh, fans. Yeah. Yeah. Surely in the new Yankee Stadium, they have pizza ovens in the clubhouse. Oh, no. Yeah. Fancy ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, all the pieces are in place. Uh, The only problem is for George is that there is a tip jar at Paisano's and George put money in the tip jar. But the guy at Paisano's didn't see. And then he got annoyed. Yeah, really? uh, I mean, like, is this I, I guess this is this problem still exists today. Like they still have tip jars for some reason. But why isn't George tipping with change? I mean, these calzones, it's costing like seven fifty for the calzones. Where are the quarters going? It, it, not to mention, we're talking about the cheapest guy on earth. Like who right. tips a dollar? And, yeah. and it's so different. It's like when you a huge have a good waiter on you want to like seven fifty yeah. calzones. When you want to like, uh, you know, say like thank you to your waiter and you give him a tip and like it feels good also to give him a good tip. When you're doing the tip jar, 
you're giving it to like a conglomerate of people. It could be five, ten people working at the restaurant, and they're splitting your dollar or your fifty cents ten ways. You know, mm-hmm. no, it's like no one appreciates it. Like if I'm the guy and I'm getting tip, you know, I'm the best person. There's almost like no incentive for me because, you know, you might be giving us five bucks in the tip jar, but I'm still getting you know fifty cents out of it. Even though, yeah. but I could be earning all of the, the tips could be coming all because of my great labor. But it, you know, it, it, we're only as strong as our weakest links. <laughs> Yeah, George says that what's the point of tipping somebody if they don't get credit? And Jerry says that, do you feel that way about the blind? Uh, And he says, well, you don't tip them bills, not bills, he says. It's really one of, it's a great joke. It's like such a smart joke. It is true. Yeah. You know, but but again, it's amazing because it shows you how the Seinfeld characters, the Seinfeld characters thinking like Jerry and George, they only do things to get credit for them. You know, they're not interested in sort of the, the charity that nobody knows about. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I, I definitely uh, can uh, empathize with this. Yeah. There's, there's this old, like, uh, you know, sort of idea in Judaism where like you're the best type of charity is like almost like ding dong ditch where you're like, they don't see that you brought it. You know, you let's say it's like a, a person who's poor, but God saw. Yeah. Right. And it's, you're leaving, you know, you like you go leave like dinner on their doorstep and, and you run away before they could see it. That sort of thing. So really the best charity that you could do is the charity that even God doesn't know about. That's true. If you could somehow trick God and, and like not let him, you know, he's he's keeping track. You know, you're praying for like the Mets to win. So he's worrying about that. And then you is he? not seeing a lot of evidence of that. Chief. <laughs> yeah, I guess the I guess the uh, Giants fans prayed a little harder. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> So we also get some conversation about Nikki, how she's beautiful. She gets whatever she wants. Uh, She's like a beautiful Godzilla is what the comparison is. Do you think that that is an appropriate comparison? No, it doesn't make sense. No, not really. So we go back to Jerry's apartment. Kramer is working there. He has his clothes in Jerry's oven. Apparently, he's making a pie at his house. He needs to work on putting all of his clothes in Jerry's oven. Not just any pie, a huckleberry pie. A huckleberry pie. Is that even a real thing, Keeve? You're the pie expert. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had one, so I'm assuming it's fake. (laughs) I feel like I would have been at least offered one at some point. I feel like the name is real. I don't think that's a made up thing. Right. There's no huckleberry that you could just go find. Yeah. Uh, There is a huckleberry pie recipe. Nobody's ever gone huckleberry picking. No, probably not. But there is huckleberry pie. There's huckleberry thin. Yeah. Okay. Right. The the most famous huckleberry is fake. So I feel like the whole berry is fake altogether. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. All right. So Elaine comes in and Jerry has a lot of questions about the date and how he feels like she is being scammed. This is a thing that Jerry does where he does feel like that with George and with his other friends, like, hey, just so you know, I've been thinking about this. I think you're getting played. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that Elaine is just completely oblivious to this the whole episode. Yeah. So once again, Jerry takes it upon himself to be able to be the person to tell his friend that they're getting played, much like he did last week with Elaine and the guy from the dress store and says, hey, just so you know, I don't think that Gak really thought Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars. But the thing I like, Elaine is like me, like she would have no idea that you know, who's in Star Wars and therefore like with that, it's a, such an absurd opinion that it's clearly a lie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that the 2016 uh, women in the dating pool are probably more uh, more aware of these types of scams? It's such a good question. Or do you think this type I of just, operation I, is still being run today? 
Well, I, I, you know, I think that would this work in 2016? I, it, it would work, but it would be like he, the thing here is that it buys Gak. You could have an argument about nonsense like this that's not Googleable back then ah. for months, pro- probably forever. Whereas here, the girl's whipping out the phone on the first date, and she's like, nope, sorry. Gak is an, a genius in that everything he does is meant to get him more like FaceTime with, uh, you know, with Elaine or, you know, whoever his prey is in that, mm-hmm. in that episode or, you know, in, in that part of his life. Um, but yeah, you'd have to really think a lot harder nowadays. Like you could still do the bet stuff. Like I bet you a dinner, but it would have to be on like you know, can I hit this three three well, point shot from wow. like mid mid court and and uh, you know, and then you miss it on purpose or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, how did they get to the bottom of Dustin Hoffman not being in Star Wars? Did they go to the video store? How did they ultimately figure this out? Did they just ask a third party? I feel like if you ask a Star Wars expert, like there's, you know, there's enough of them walking around that you that that type of thing. You just trust someone who like really knows their Star Wars. OK. And again, it's in it's in the loser in this case's interest to like be wrong. So he would have no problem just taking the first person's word who they ask. Okay, so Elaine says, well, why wouldn't he just ask me out on a date? Jerry says, there's the thing. He found a dating loophole, a rejection-free loophole. Now, do you feel like that they should have cast an uglier guy as Gak to pull off this move? You know, an uglier guy or like a meaner looking guy, I'm thinking. Well, I'm just saying that does it sort of muddy the humor in this in that here's a guy who could not have gotten a date with Elaine, but is getting these dates because of these bets where it's like a guy that Elaine probably would have gone out with anyway. It's sort of like it's just that, oh, he found a loophole out of potentially being rejected where chances are Thirsty Elaine, season seven Elaine would have dated him, you know, under almost any circumstances. Yeah, he didn't realize that he didn't have to put in the effort because he's just so used to pulling these schemes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So he walked her home. Jerry's trying to say that is a date. She's like, no, no, she's arguing it's not a date, but at least she is sort of like factoring this into the back of her mind. And so she has to go meet up with him to pick up the cigar. But it's unimpressive that Gak doesn't have like, like Gak isn't betting. Like, I bet you have less than 50,000 cups or or like more than 50,000 cups in your, uh, you know, kitchen cabinet or like some other stupid bet to try and get him. Okay. Yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. He's sort of like, uh, really, this is a long con for Gak. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he, he's an evil genius. Like he's not going too fast. Yeah. Also, I didn't mention it at the movie theater. Gak is like, Hey, I'm going to Canada tomorrow. Do you want to get Cuban cigars? And maybe Scott St. Pierre can confirm whether or not that this is a thing that you're able to get dirt cheap in Canada, Cuban cigars, but Gak is going to do that. And what then smuggle them back into the United States. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess it's smuggling. I feel like half of Seinfeld is smuggling Cubans back into the well, United States. Well, hold on. Now, was he even going to Canada? Because he ends up giving Jerry Peruvian cigars, which I'm imagining you could get here in the U.S. So did he really not even go anywhere and he's just trying to, you know, steal $300 from Jerry? I mean, he's clearly a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's certainly possible. Makes sense. All right. So Elaine has to go meet him to go pick up the cigar. So we see George at Paisano's that he is getting the daily order from uh, Paisano's and uh, the order comes to is this where they charge him uh, 650 650 at Paisano's he tips him does not tip with the quarters yeah it's so on George like it's almost impossible now is it possible that George paid ten dollars and fifty cents and then got four dollars change 
I like to do that. I like to, you know, get rid of my change as much as possible and certainly not add new change. But in this instance where you're going to tip, where you're having this issue, it seems very short sighted by George not to just give him the 10 and then tip with the two quarters. I mean, George isn't exactly like a master mathematician here, but yeah, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Right. And when mm-hmm. we see him getting giving the, you know, getting back change. Right. Yeah, he gets some change back, right? He says uh, six fifty your change. So I don't know what the actual order was, but his change is six fifty, and so maybe I don't know, like was it thirteen fifty? And he gave him a twenty. I don't know, but anyway, he's getting quarters back in this transaction. You would imagine, and so the guy looks the other way, and then George like takes like a wad of bills out of the tip jar. Like he put one dollar in, but he's grabbing a handful of cash on the way out. You think he's actually like, are you are you like a truther that George is actually stealing? I'm not a truther, but he's grabbing a lot of money. He has many bills in his hand, whereas that it was just one dollar that he put in. He is grabbing several bills on the way out. It's I don't know if this ever happens to be like it always. This always makes me uncomfortable. Let's say like you're at synagogue or something and it's like, uh, you know, I have a big bill, but that someone some guys walking around with asking for money for charity. And I, I like it. And, but sometimes there's just like on the like in the middle of the room, there's there's, you know, one or multiple boxes where you could sort of, uh, you know, put it in. But it's it's not like locked. So you, cause I, I always feel bad. That's like even if I was wanted to give more from from giving bills, it, let's say I was giving a five and get, you know, I wanted to take like one back or three back. You, there's always like that one second where you're taking the money and it's like, oh, I'm sure one person here is th- sees it. It's like uh, Wienerker's taking money out of the charity box. Yeah, hard to make your own change. <laughs> yeah, out of charity especially. And and mm-hmm. I would add, you know, tips too. So it's, uh, I do, this is definitely a real world problem. I empathize with uh, George here. Okay. So anyway, the guy starts yelling at George and then he just yells over him, doesn't give him a chance to explain. And then also is sort of like chasing him with the uh, pizza spatula. Yeah, they try and make him a little bit cartoony, like an Italian cartoon, just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, George telling him that they're both paisanos or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's because George is Italian now, of course. We've established that. That's canon here in season of seven. Course. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, so, totally. So George is back at uh, George Steinbrenner's office. And so he says like, hey, tomorrow we should do something different. How about we end up getting some corned beef, Keeve? That sounds like a good lunch. No. Too fatty. You can't do calzones every day. No. Steinbrenner, he has one thing and he sticks with it, like his managers. Uh, Well, no, that would be if he like did calzones six different times, (laughs) but not necessarily in a row. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, George wants to get Chinese. No, too many containers, big mess, too sloppy. He wants to stick with the calzones from Paisano's. What type of calzone would Joe Girardi be right now? Oh, uh, boy. Uh, can they do like a binder filled with all sorts of cheese and toppings? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it's a binder filled with cheese. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So Steinbrenner from 1973 to 1982 had the same lunch every day. Bread bowl with turkey chili. Could they go back to that? Why did Steinbrenner get off the bread bowl with turkey chili? Yeah, I think George, if he like brings the turkey chili in a bread bowl one day, that, that really might work. Like, surprise him and be like, I want to. Yeah, I wanted to th- do like here's a th- it's throwback Thursday. He would have invented mm-hmm. it. He said that TBT. And, you know, I wanted like a little bit of uh, a little bit of the 70s right here <laughs> in your bread bowl. By the way, turkey chili in a bread bowl, an insane thing to have every day, but sounds like a really good option for one day. Yeah, sounds good, especially on a rainy day like they had in this episode. Totally. 
Okay. All right. So Elaine is out with Todd Gack. Elaine wants to know, was the bet thing just a way to ask me out? And Todd Gack gets indignant very quickly here throughout the episode. Like, what? Like, that was a legitimate bet. I had to pay you because I lost the bet fair and square. I'm a man of my word. And then Elaine is sort of taken aback. And then Todd Gack wants to go out again on Saturday night. He'll pick her up at eight. Is this part of your repertoire ever? Like, I guess not now, but, you know, the idea of like, conning people into seeing you again conning people into seeing me again no my move is basically like like you know i will say to a person and this has happened you know before where i'm just like look i i would love to get together again please like if don't just say that you will if you if you don't want to you don't have to like don't you don't have to lie to me you don't have to trick me Uh, just tell me now at the like in my eyes, the start of the speech, we were getting back together again. Like, we was going to see you again. By the end of this, like, self-deprecating speech, I think I'm out. You're out. That's fine. If you, <laughs> like, we were going to say, like, okay, let's let's do this again. And, you know, that if I didn't want to, I might just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say, I just want to get out of there. I just want to get out. But if I, if I sense that you might not want to, like, I'm giving you the out to say hey please like if if look if you don't want to we don't have to don't just say it to say like seriously if, if you if you don't really want to hang out let's let's just not let's just not make the plans you're almost asking them in the scenario not to hang out again mm-hmm. you're right unless you really want to and if you really want to i will but if you don't then just don't like you know don't lead me on and make me feel guilty that i'm not you know hanging out with you or anything like that now, this is already this is a lot. I feel like it's a I lot. Do. That's why it's nobody. No, that's why nobody <laughs> likes me, Keith. It's, yeah, it's, you're it's, getting a lot of nose here. I feel like you got to clean up your game here a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I was this neurotic before I got married. I do think my wife yeah. did a number on me. I, I sometimes I think the same thing. Yeah, I, that just lately, it's just like I'm going uh, insane over here. Too many passive aggressive answers to my questions of things like you're used. To, you're used to rejection. <laughs> Yo, I want to hear uh, like, what you were going to say. Things no, like I'm what? asking. Like, I ask What's a lot of questions dinner? like, hey, uh, do you want lunch? I'm going to get lunch. Do you want me to get you anything? And I get a lot of, no, I'll starve. Uh, okay, well, what do you want? <laughs> like, no, 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 don't get me anything. No, but pl- just tell me what you want. And I'll get, no, you don't have to. Like, uh, it's, just, it's really just, uh, I'm just losing it, Keeve. Yeah, I can hear. I, I think I can't get a straight answer to a question around here. Yeah, I, I it it I I feel the same way. I also think we're getting older. That's that part it? of the neuro- neuro- neuroses is getting older. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm like uh, very on edge. Can't get a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we go back to Jerry, and he's pulled over by the police. This is the most confident Jerry of the entire series, right? Yeah, here. this is a Jerry that may need to check his privilege a bit. That's right. That's right. So he's pulled over by the police, license registration, and he's really like messing with the guy. He's like, oh, boy, I was going faster than 55. And then the police officer said, I got you at 93. He said, oh, I must have slowed down. And then here comes Nikki. And uh, boy, she's not like concerned at all about, you know, how this is going to go with the police. She just says, do you have to give us a ticket? Speed check his privilege. Is that? No, that's not. Yeah. OK, keep going. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, come on, don't give us a ticket. I mean, she also like forgetting about Jerry's confidence. She's coming out there knowing she's hitting a home run right there. Yeah. Boy, like she's 100 percent sure that he, she is. He is not getting that ticket. 
all she has to do is just ask nicely. That's why I'm not as down on Nikki as you are, because I think the actress with so few words to say, like, does project, you know, that, uh, you know, this idea, it does shine through mostly that she is sort of like beautiful enough to get out of all these things. The only my gripe would be that about 30 of Jerry's girlfriends throughout the course of the series could have easily played this role, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. They don't even go out of their way of making her like, you know, like clothes wise. She's, you know, dressed pretty conservatively even. Mm -hmm. Yes. She's just such a knockout, a stunning knockout that she can just get away with whatever. All right. So Jerry is again, like kind of rude to the police officer. Like, all right, are we done yet? Are we out of here? Yeah. No, (laughs) he knows that they, they, I mean, I can't imagine as a police officer that ever working. No, I can't imagine either. I could hear, I could hear like listening to a sob story. I mean, did you ever hear your dad was a policeman? Do you ever hear like, did he ever talk about like reasons he would give, let someone off from a ticket? You know, to be fair that my dad probably had a lot of stories, but he rarely talked about sort of like his work life with with Mm -hmm. us kids. Like that was sort of like if he was at a party and there were some interesting stories, I'm sure he was not shy about telling them. But Mm -hmm. it was very rare when he would tell like a story about, you know, working in the police department to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit like two sides of, of his life. I hear you. Right. I, I, I think if, you know, if I was a cop, I feel like I'd be I would definitely be prone to sob stories. But I don't you know, I just some random woman walking out of the car. I don't think that's working. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. So going back to Kramer and Jerry. And uh, so Kramer's got the uh, we got the shirt in the oven now going for uh, again. I, I think I said I. I jumped the gun earlier. Uh, now Kramer is officially with shirts in the oven. So I'm staying in a house and it occurs to me, they, this is a kind of strange, but they have a, their washer dryer in a bathroom in the house. Yeah. It's like a big bathroom and they just happen to have it in there. Yeah. So, so really I was thinking like, if you were into this, you know, Kramer style, you know, warming up your clothes all the time, it'd be good. You could one, you could do it every time you go to the bathroom, but, Realistically, if you go in the shower, you oh. could have piping hot clothes waiting for you when you get out of the shower. Yeah, that would be a good move. That w- the house I lived in in college had that where you could basically had like a washer and dryer off the bedroom. Here, I have the washer and dryer is off the garage. So it's not really uh, conducive to that. Just to fact check myself. So in the earlier scene, Kramer was going through his coins looking for quarters for the dryer. We had not yet gotten to the point where Kramer was cooking his shirt and pants in the oven. And this is also where he's making the huckleberry pie. Uh, Yeah. And huckleberry, not a real, not a real berry. It's like (laughs) a plant. Well, what is it? It's some type of plant. Okay, so it's just called a huckleberry? I I don't even know. (laughs) All right. Anyway, uh, so we end up with Jerry, and he's playing around with these Cuban cigars, and he says that, hey, these are Peru cigars. Uh, Him and Kramer uh, are able to see this, and Kramer is the Cuban cigar aficionado. He knows that Todd Gack is pulling one over on him. Um, I mean... (sighs) Gak, he's got to be in the top 10 of worst people we've seen so far. Not a good guy. There's really, he's got nothing good going for him. The only, the only difference between him and some of the other evil people we've seen is that he does get his comeuppance sort of at the end. I don't think he gets in the top 10 though, Gak. I mean, I guess if he was a little bit more of like a creep towards Elaine, he would. But the fact that he's like, 
the cigar thing is the worst thing where he's like, it seems like he is intentionally scamming Jerry out of three hundred dollars. Right. But there may be a backstory to that. Like maybe his friend tricked him, you know, we're presuming. Said, hey, right. Yeah. Like I'll get you Cubans and, and gave him Peruvians. <laughs> That's right. All right. So George comes in and he is talking about his whole predicament with Calzone. He can't get the Calzone anymore because he's banned from Paisanos. Kramer happens to know, hey, that is on Newman's route. He goes by there every day. Have we ever established Newman's postal route? Is that canon yet? Oh, why don't you just wait for Chester? Okay. All right. Because I have thought that Newman's route is something that is more local, not the Bronx. Yeah. So I do think, I think we discussed in an early episode that you can't get your, your own like house in in your mail route. Yeah. But he's def. It's definitely been established that he is a Manhattan mailman. Yeah. But, you know, we will see that he, you know, he tries to transfer, um, later on in the series so i do wonder if between then now he you know he he has gotten an unnamed i know we say that nothing ever happens off screen Mm -hmm. but it it is you know we see so little of newman that maybe it was cut out but maybe he did get the manhattan to bronx transfer for some reason okay so we go back to newman's apartment and we see a rare georgia newman scene newman says uh i don't like you costanza you're hanging out on the what west side of the building with seinfeld yeah. laughing your life away yeah um yeah you know this is this is definitely the as far as i can remember off the top of my head the first mano, mano a mano with newman and the g-man i think um, you know, that, and that's also why he's saying, like, I don't like you. This is almost like the, the you know, the establishment of their relationship. <laughs> but I do. I do think that they're like perfect foils for each other. And we should have seen a little bit more throughout the series of Newman versus Costanza. Yeah. So here's the negotiation. So in exchange for picking up Calzones on the regular daily, Monday through Friday for George, this is what Newman wants in return. He wants a Calzone of his own. A pepperoni yep, slice, okay. a soda, and mm-hmm. three times a week a cannoli. I mean, it's you know, if you're a career oriented person, the idea of being able to have lunch every day with the CEO of your company, and a, you know, a guy who could make your dreams come true, and a, you know, celebrity to boot, like, I feel like this is a small price to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a lot of money in 1996. Probably it adds up to, you know, how much is the calzone? We want to say like two bucks. 250 then i don't know it comes back to that 650 is your change i how mean how many calzones is, did he order i mean uh, is the calzone a dollar 75 each yeah so but let's say all this stuff is like forgetting about the cannoli three times a week all this stuff is about six bucks so maybe with the cannoli it's like eight or nine mm-hmm. yeah that's a nine dollars a day like you still know, pretty reasonable a night. yeah not you know the, just to Keep him off the uh, right. You know, is Newman off his back. bringing the calzones to Yankee Stadium or does George have to meet Newman every day to pick up the calzones? Right. It's funny because they make this deal, but it's never actualized. Right. Mm-hmm. He, there's never once that we don't have the scene where like Newman is just bringing it. Or, yeah. So we don't know. Does Paisano's deliver? The problem with pizza stores delivering is especially like this is so, you know, it's bad business, especially if it's far away. Like. It's implied later in the episode that Paisano's is, well, although it's close to Yankee Stadium, is not the closest because otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't know. How, I'm not sure how close it but is. Then why does George go to Paisano's? Good, good Yelp review. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got the best ratings. I think, um, I think that uh, what's it called? I, I just don't. It's I don't like other than the chain pizza stores. Does the, 
you know, pizzas, pizza stores aren't really delivering less than like a pie or two. Like they have to have a delivery minimum. No, mm-hmm. I guess so. Two calzones isn't cutting it. And once George is getting it delivered, I don't think the boss needs him anymore. The The idea here is to not only uh, get Steinbrenner the calzones, but also keep his relationship with Steinbrenner, like him being the one who eats calzones with Steinbrenner. Okay. So Newman is like laughing and laughing and he ends up pulling a fork out of his back. Do you like that? Uh, uh, okay, it's fine. It's fine. All right. So Gak takes Elaine to the restaurant. Gak, party of four. Uh, turns out that Gak is bringing his parents to meet Elaine. Yeah, totally insane. Yeah. Classic Gak. Now, wh- I mean, what is it? What does he do? Like, I, I know it's like, oh, this is, he keeps escalating the dates. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? This isn't a date. This is just meeting the parents. But it seems like there is no means to an end of like that. Gak does not seem to like he's more interested in Elaine meeting his parents than necessarily having some sort of physical relationship with Elaine. Yeah, we don't know Gak's intentions. They're very unclear. They seem odd. Who would have thunk that Todd Gak is an odd guy? Yeah, I mean, that last week's guy, you definitely got the impression that he was trying to hold, dangle the dress in front of Elaine so that he could sleep with her. Gak is not seemingly making a move in this episode. No, no move at all. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if we should have seen Gak for a second episode, but I feel like we could. There's more to learn about Gak. He does move in for a kiss at the end of this exchange after Elaine says this is absurd. And he's like, why? Why can't you just have dinner with my parents? Like, they seem like nice people. I thought you'd like them. I mean, what if he's just a person that has, you know, zero self-awareness and has, you know, no clue what other people think about him? But he has enough of a clue to know these women that had to, like, screw them over. And now, well, I look at, let, me, uh, let me parse my words there. How to take advantage of the situation to get dates with them. That he knows. He knows how to get $300 out of Jerry. Yeah, but he might just be a savant with, like, certain pathological things. Okay. All right. Uh, breaking news, Keeve. The weather has turned on Seinfeld. Uh, a rare rainstorm. Uh, neither rain nor sleet nor snow. <laughs> wow. George is going to drop off the money at Newman's apartment for the calzones. What's the timeline here? This yeah, is I like was wondering this. What? Like 8 a.m. Monday morning. And we he goes and drops the money off before he heads to Yankee Stadium. It's got to be like 10 30, 11 already because he said it's almost time for the calzones. Clearly, George is supposed to be at work, but I guess he could do whatever he wants since he's lunching with the boss. I guess so. And so it turns out that Newman is called in sick because he doesn't work in the rain. No, I, I do like this idea because it could rain like 100 days a year and he just will not call in. They must have a good union, the, the USPS. Yeah. So how is Newman able to get away with this? I mean, if, you, if it rains 100 days a year in New York. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a that was a guesstimate. It could be like I have no eight idea. days a year. I have no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I to me... Uh, you know, Newman, there's a lot of questions to how Newman gets away. Newman's got pictures of the right guy. <laughs> how many days a year does it rain in New York? Again, sometimes it's going to rain on Saturday. Sometimes it's going to rain on Sunday. Sure. Uh, yeah, you got to two-sevenths that stuff. Let's see. On average, there are 224 sunny days per year. Well, that doesn't really help us. There could be cloudy days. Uh, the number of days with measurable precipitation is 113. That's a lot of days off. Even if you take out like two sevenths of it for, um, you know, th- say they're Saturdays or Sundays or even a little bit more than that. Go up yes. to like 30, you know, for, for holidays. It's way too many days. Way too many days. So that seems that's uh, quite a union if, if Newman could get all those days off. So you have to imagine Newman is at least working if it's drizzling. 
Right. And sometimes it rains after the work day. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he'll stop midday and just tell them that he delivered all the mail. We do know he has bales, bags of mail as an apartment that that are undelivered. Yes. Okay. So he doesn't work in torrential rain, perhaps. Uh, but this is an odd scene because uh, George really calls him out. You were supposed to get my calzone. And then he says, but you took the money. And he says, uh, yeah, I did. And then just runs away. Slams the door slams in George's door. face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Newman for you, but I feel like George should have put more of a fight here. <laughs> Yeah, it really gets walked all over by Newman here. Okay. I mean, again, Newman, one one phone call from Newman and George is fired. So Jerry is with uh, the lovely, uh, what's her name, Nikki? Nikki. And he's talking about the cigars from Peru. He needs some help here. He needs Nikki to go have a talk with Todd Gack. Yeah, I mean, what a bad idea. <laughs> you think he should have saw this coming? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he should have at least been there with her. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know why Jerry couldn't say to Todd Gack, hey, you told me you were getting Cubans. These are Peruvian cigars. What gives? I mean, I think we've seen Jerry call people out for a number of things. At least like start with that. And if he says sorry, then you go to phase two, which is Nikki. Yeah, I don't know why Jerry is being such a baby about this. Maybe he's just spoiled after Nikki. Uh, yeah, I think he's just using her. It's like a toy and you, you go to the well one too many times. It's like having a closer, but you overuse them and then you get to crunch time mm-hmm. and they give up a three run homer to some that. guy you've never heard of. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> right. And you're not one of these people that uses your uh, best uh, excuses or things in the most crucial situation. You say, I only can use this thing at this specific time, but I will use them at that specific time, whether I need them or not. That's exactly right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we end up then with... Kramer, uh, George needs Kramer to go and pick up the calzones from Paisanos. I mean, I feel like Kramer should have been option one anyway. He's got nothing to do. He will do anything for free food. So you could have just offered him like instead of like the pepperoni pizza and the calzone and the soda, just like one of those things, he would have done it. Yeah. And so George says to Kramer, you need money. He's like, no, I got a ton of change I got to get rid of. So Kramer is turning down George's money. Yeah. I guess the question would be who's if. If the reason why he's choosing Newman over Kramer, like who's more reliable, Kramer or Newman is a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And so Kramer is carrying all of this change that he's got all these pennies in his pockets and he's got so much change that he ends up falling down and the change goes everywhere in the rain. Yeah, I mean, this plan wasn't exactly great by Kramer. <laughs> All right. And so, I mean, he does end up with the change in a sack by the time he throws it in Todd Gack's face. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he yeah, he consolidates. it. He's got a lot less change at that point since he dropped most of it on Manhattan streets. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Kramer finally gets to Paisano's. He needs three calzones. The guy happens to just have three calzones ready to go in the oven. And Kramer immediately says, hey, that's a big oven. Can you do me a favor? Yeah, he doesn't even have to say it. It's just like the audience knows what he's going to ask. And it's like implied right away. Yes. And so. Uh, we end up seeing that Nikki is uh, with Todd Gack at Monk's and hey, Elaine comes in and now was Elaine going to meet Todd Gack? This is the we- this is probably the worst scene in the episode because Elaine is to- they shouldn't have used this take or something because like Elaine is totally unsurprised to see her-, her ostensibly boyfriend with her with Jerry's girlfriend just hanging out together. Like, how do they know each other in this restaurant? And she has no reaction towards the fact that they're there at first. Yeah. And bizarre. It is odd. And so, hey, what does the M stand for in Richard M. Nixon? Would you have known that? Only from this episode. Only from this episode. No way from other things. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> that uh, did the Simpsons uh, with Millhouse uh, is that, and also with uh, Mo. Here's a shout out to the Simpsons. Were the Simpsons a thing yet? Were they a thing in 1996? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is this a is this a Simpsons shout out? Well, to Millhouse and Mo is is, is Millhouse named after Richard Nixon? I suspect there's a lot of smart people working on the Simpsons. No question. A lot of yeah. So I, I would. I is would there any guess- other Millhouse in human history? So I think the Millhouse, no, I don't think there is. I think the Millhouse Mo thing here is clearly Simpsons. My my question would go back to is Millhouse after Nixon, and I would guess yes. But were you buying that Nikki would know Millhouse? Do you know what M- Millhouse on Simpsons middle name is? <laughs> Nixon Mussolini. Oh, oh, interesting. So for sure that he's named after Nixon. <laughs> yeah. So Elaine uh, is the person who is the trivia master. And uh, hey, what does the M stand for? Richard M. Nixon. She knows it, too. It's Millhouse. And uh, Nikki says, I told you, he said it was Mo. You owe me dinner. By the way, the, the name Millhouse was the un- most unfortunate name Macaroni could think of for a kid. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay. So why doesn't Elaine blow up Gak's spot here? I, it makes no sense. Elaine is way too calm. I don't know why she plays it so calm here. It's bizarre. She's like, Nikki, let me tell you a little bit about what's going to happen next. Gak over here is going to keep coming up with little bets and, and all these reasons to keep seeing you until you're not even going to think it's a date and you're hanging out with his parents. That's what this Gak does. So get out now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Nikki isn't the type of person you're going to scare away here. How does he explain away the Peruvian cigars? He's a pathological liar. He'll come up with something. Yeah, not, I don't love the Gak. They could have, I, I, I didn't hate this, the Gak scenes or the Nikki scenes, but they could have ended this a little better. Yeah. I mean, other than the Gak thing, but like this scene in particular leaves me wanting a little more. All right. So, so Kramer back at the uh, Paisanos, he ends up uh, getting the calzones and now here come his clothes and his clothes are all burnt. I do like the reaction of the guy from Paisanos and Kramer's like, hey, what, you, you ruined my shirt. He's like, uh, what do I know about cooking a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I assume he took no responsibility for the shirt. Yes. Okay. So Kramer tries to pay in pennies and they don't like that at Paisanos. I'm not sure like what the place is where they enjoy people paying with pennies. I'm not sure either. You know, you see like different YouTube viral videos of people like watch this guy pay his uh, parking tickets and pennies and stuff like that. I've Um, never seen those. I've I've never seen those. I think it's kind of a a douche move to do that where it's like he's sticking it to the man by me. But it's like you're sticking it to the poor clerk that works at the office. Uh, Totally. I'm like you went on a weird YouTube rabbit hole to find the people paying with pennies videos though no I, that wasn't what i was looking for i've just seen no, no, like an I know, article but you got there somehow i'm trying to yeah, figure it, out it's, uh, by way of that i do a podcast uh, about stupid news stories oh so for the stupid news sometimes it's people pay with pennies yes uh, that we get those articles sent to us I, I didn't go in search of that this must be a tough time for you with the stupid news because <laughs> the, the clowns thing never must a really tough be time. frightening yeah we no, are the clowns thing is tough. it's an embarrassment of riches and pennies well but you hate clowns so i, yeah, I feel no, like that's uh, not fun it, believe me it's not it's you, not fun do you even click on those stories or are they too scary we talk about have to talk about them yeah a lot of crazy joe davola's out there right now oh my gosh okay so once again the pizza man at paisano's flips out and uh, there's a funny scene of Kramer and uh, the pizza man yelling back and forth. I like when uh, Kramer kicks the table with like the top of his foot. Well, is that a, like an a, is that like a like an Italian curse no, or I something? No, I have no idea. I know. I don't think so. 
How would Kramer know it if it was? <laughs> I don't know. Kramer knows a lot of weird stuff. I guess he does. I mean, he's just like yelling gibberish at the guy. Yeah, I think that's an Italian curse. Like sticking your foot at someone. I feel like it's some culture that's like a big deal. And maybe some alien culture, but I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, maybe it's not <laughs> like alien, like a literal alien. <laughs> yes, like from people on another planet. Maybe that's an insult uh, where they come from. But I don't believe there's a human culture where an insult is you turn around and sort of like, uh, you know, kick the top of a table like you're a horse. Remember that guy threw a shoe at George Bush's head? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there is definitely a foot related insult here that we're missing. Perhaps if it's your culture. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Maybe we have some sort of like a cultural sociologist out there that could tell us that. Oh, for sure. We have multiple cultural sociologists. Insult sociologist expert. Yes. Okay. So Kramer gets to Yankee Stadium and George says, hey, your clothes smell like paisanos um, and uh, maybe I can go to another Italian place. Um, it, it's insane that this did not come up earlier. Like, of course, you should just go. To, there's oh another pizza store in Manhattan or, or the Bronx, you mean? Oh, yeah. A great idea. I can't believe you didn't think of it earlier. There was nothing that really was set up in this episode like the soup Nazi of, oh, Paisano's is the only place in town that makes this specific calzone that Steinbrenner <laughs> likes. That he he likes a, a you know, all, it's the only place in town where you can get eggplant calzone. Totally. The, the quality of the Paisano's calzones are never discussed. Just the fact that. He wants to eat them every like, day. Like, what is this new invention? Oh, it's a pita filled with cheese. I love this. Right. Again, he's never heard of calzones. It's not like he's a calzone expert. And he finally found the perfect calzone. This is the first calzone he's ever eaten. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, it does not <laughs> It does not come up. Anyway, so George is going to go and look for more calzones. I think that the ending of this story is kind of soft here. Yeah. A little bit of soft landing for the calzone story. Yeah, a lot of times episodes pick up at the end. I feel like this one is strong and, and some of the storylines get weaker at the end. But I guess let's talk about it. Yeah, I feel like a weak resolution here for what's going on with the uh, calzone storyline. Anyway, so we go back to Jerry and he's in the apartment with Elaine. I think that this is a cute scene of Jerry and Elaine smoking the cigars on the couch talking about Todd Gack. But I do think it's odd that Jerry and Elaine would be smoking cigars in Jerry's apartment. That you think that Jerry, neat freak Jerry, isn't gonna love cigar smoking in his apartment. I know Kramer smokes cigars at times, but does Jerry and Elaine want to smoke cigars in Jerry's apartment? I think we're viewing this with a 2016 prism where it's just unthinkable for someone to do this, but back then it wasn't so crazy. Wasn't so crazy. So they're trying to smoke the cigars. Uh, I do like the lines like smoking a chicken bone. It's talking about Todd yeah. Gack's name. Yeah. Uh, Jerry has to go walk Nikki's dog. Listen, Nikki's got powers of persuasion. Why did she break up with Jerry? Because that he was too much of a pushover that she had to go handle all the business. I don't think she's long for any. She could just own any man. I don't, I don't know if she's ever met her match. Okay. She just goes from Seinfeld to Gack and, and on until she finds the male Nikki. Okay. So Elaine wasn't. Did you ever pay Todd for those cigars? Uh, Jerry says it's being taken care of right now. Uh, Kramer goes to Gack's apartment and gives him the pennies, uh, but he really throws the sack of pennies at him. How much intention was there for Kramer to hurt Gack? Oh, a lot. A lot. Okay. Why? Why did Kramer have something against Gack? Because of that, hey, you tried to screw my friend Jerry? Yeah, he screwed. No, both. both you know, he, he pulled one over on Elaine and Jerry. Okay. I feel like he's got both their backs here. He's defensive. All right. So we go back to Yankee Stadium and Steinbrenner's on the phone and he's like, like, oh, I smell something. And uh, Big Stein needs his calzone and he's looking for his lunch. 
And so he goes through George's office and ransacks the office. May throws all the papers around. Yeah, this office. I, who knew George even had that many papers? The office is a mess. And Big Stein wants to know, hey, why do these clothes smell like paisanos? Uh, a weird ending, right? Yeah, uh, because they were heated up there. And then Steinbrenner, oh, heating up your clothes. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to get the Yankees doing that. Get the clothes in the pizza oven. Get the muscles yep. loosey-goosey. Ne- next thing you know, they're winning three straight, you know, four to five World Series. Who knew? Who knew? So... Uh, really it is not an ending that is like, does not change the world in any way. It's sort of like, okay, George found the new place to get calzones and you know, that's that it doesn't end with anything that's sort of like a twist on this story or anything. Just like uh, clean up this mess, Costanza. Yeah. You said about it pretty soft, like middle of the episode type ending. Yeah. To an otherwise pretty strong episode. Yeah. I do love all the stuff with uh, Steinbrenner and the Calzone, but we don't really have anything good. Could, could you think of a better way to end this episode? Mm. I don't I like, I don't know if you get Newman involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it ends up, and, and then with the final scene is like Steinbrenner and Newman eating the Calzones together and Newman's put one over on George, which would be good. Cause like this could then be like the most relentlessly negative episode of the whole series, except for maybe the finale where, you know, Jerry and Elaine lose their significant others to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so they're like big losers. And then, like Kramer, kind of, you know, is the D story, but he still, uh, you know, gets kicked out. And maybe like the guy doesn't even give him a shirt back, so he's going back and you know, he's going back onto the street without the shirt, so he loses. And then, then you know, uh, somehow like George has fallen down on the job, so Newman ends up bringing the calzones. We see, we you know, the scene and the season end, the episode ends. On Steinbrenner and Newman eating calzones, and all four of them have suffered like these terrible defeats. I feel like that this would have been a strong ending. Something. It's something. I don't know if we have enough time for all that, but yeah, it's a little more outside the box. Well, you could cut the scene with Gak's parents, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Keeve. Let's talk this through and grade out the episode. Jerry and Nikki. What's your letter grade on that? Uh, you know, I, I the, Nikki. There's a lot of generic Jerry girlfriends. Um, towards the end of the series, I, I I like Nikki. I like um, the idea of it. There's no like knockout home run scene, but I'll give it an A minus. A minus. Wow, you're very high on this. I, I'd say it's a C plus at best. Yeah, I, I just I like the idea of like this person can get whatever they want. I, I feel like they could have been explored. More. It's a funny idea. I don't feel like it's memorable at all. When I started rewatching this episode, I remembered nothing of this storyline. No, that's fair. I don't think this is you know, a storyline that I would explain, you know, oh, that's what the episode is to somebody. Yeah. All right. What about George and the Calzone? Uh, pretty iconic. Um, the A story in the episode gives you some good Steinberg stuff. So I'll give it an A. Yeah, I would say probably A minus just because the ending is uh, so soft and gooey like a delicious calzone. But I don't think that there's really, uh, you know, some great payoff to this storyline with the calzone. You know, everything's funny. Steinbrenner, Big Stein, calzone. Uh, I love all of that. But I just wish that there was more of like a uh, some way to tie it all together better with the calzone. That's fair. Okay, what about Kramer with the pizza? Closing the pizza oven, Kramer. And pennies. Um, I, again, minor, very minor story. But, you know, the idea of dry cleaning the clothes is a quick one off good gag. So I'll give him a B. I give him an A. I think that he does a lot with the coins, with the pennies. Uh, you know, he has it like yeah, no, Michael Richards did a great job for sure. Given the least of, of the core four in this episode. Yeah, I give him an A on on this uh, all the way around between uh, the the pennies and the clothes in the dryer storyline. Again, he does not have a lot of meat to work with, but uh, does uh, really is great every time he's on the show. And then what about Elaine and Todd Gack? <sighs> you know, I like I, 
I like Todd Gack. I like sometimes when the episodes are, you know, the good guys lose here. So I'm going to give Gack an A minus. Okay. Boy, I think I probably go a C plus for the Gak storyline. Also, I mean, I like the idea of Dustin Hoffman in Star Wars, but other than that, I don't think that there's a lot of big laughs to be had all the way around with Gak and very forgettable uh, for for Gak, except for his name. <laughs> good name is good, name. and they even talk about like, uh, what is that name? Is that Dutch? That's a good name. So they had a good name and an interesting premise to get into it, but I don't think they had anything to do with Gak once they had him. All right. Funny postscript. So Berg, Berg and Schaefer wrote this episode and Berg really liked Danette Taze or whatever you want to call her, the actress who plays Nikki. Oh, and he calls her up and he was writing for the Academy Awards one year. I probably right after this. Uh, and he invited her to go with him as his date. And yeah. when he went to pick her up, she had a bo- she had a boyfriend who was not happy that they were going on this date to the Oscars. Yes. And she didn't mention the boyfriend, which becomes a storyline of the summer of George. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, I can see it. I can see it. All right. Let's uh, guess where Keeve ranked the episode. Mm-hmm. Boy, uh, got to feel like it's uh, certainly in the top half. I'm going to say that you are uh, pretty hot. Not pizza oven hot, but pretty hot. Uh, I will say Keeve went number 52. Oh, you've been really good at this game recently. But yeah, I'm 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 low on this episode compared to most uh, experts. Um, but you're you're only up by four. I have it at fifty six, which oh. is way lower than a lot of people. Some people have this. This episode is a nine on IMDb. There aren't a lot of episodes with a nine. Yeah, less than ten. So this is you know some people it's top ten episode. Okay. Um, you look there are there's uh, again there are high highs and then there's a lot of I think forgettable ground with the Jerry and Elaine storylines. So uh, okay. it, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for a total package episode where everything comes together in the end and then like a really tightly wound plot, uh, this is probably not the episode for you. But if you're looking for some you know big moments, uh, you got that here in the calzone. Okay. All right, Keith. I, I don't disagree. Let's dive into the mailbag, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Of course, we always appreciate your feedback and star ratings. Do you think people still do that? Do you think people still leave us feedback? We haven't checked sure. in. Uh, I, what do you mean? I attached, uh, I oh, attached you got a bunch some. of iTunes you, ratings. Okay, you got that, some. Good. Yes. So we're thinking, we're thinking the same way. Okay. If you want to leave us feedback ratings, don't make us have to check your homework. We want this to, we want to be like the cool teachers where we don't have to like check to see if you did your homework and stuff like that. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keith, were you the cool teacher? In my head, yes. According to the students, definitely not. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what what teacher were you? Um, I I, have, I don't know. The teacher thinks they're cool, but the other kids don't. I, I don't know. Next time I see one of my students like randomly, I'll say, "Hey, was that the cool teacher?" Which is probably not the not the cool thing to ask. So maybe I shouldn't. Um, I feel like I was like the young teacher, young teacher, you know. But maybe like the young teacher that they would try and take advantage of more than like think is cool. Okay. All right, Keith. So I won't take advantage of you as we get into our mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Johnny DeSilvera kicks things off, wants to know, would it have been so hard for George to give his tip and change? Then his tip would have been heard if not seen. Great point. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you definitely just make more noise, you know, be a little more sure of the guys looking. Not a bad idea. Okay. Craig from Vancouver. Do either of you have a lunch or meal that you eat at a certain time all the time? Big Keeve. I'm like erratic. Some days I'll like not have breakfast. Some days I'll not have lunch. So I don't even have literally have a meal, let alone like specific like turkey chili in a bread bowl type things. Wow. But sometimes I'll be on like a, I'll be on like a bad schedule or I'll 
have like breakfast at one sometimes and lunch at like five and I'll have like dinner with the same time my kids are like eight thirty. Yeah. But then I will like have like a midnight snack. I'll have like four meals and all of them starting at one o'clock. It's bad for you. Yeah. Keeve, I'm much more like Big you? Stein in terms of my regimented uh, meal. As, as my wife would call me rigid Rob, uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but I do like to have uh, two eggs at 7 a.m. if possible. I mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. like to have that before I start getting into coffee. like to have lunch, preferably yeah. a salad sometime between mm-hmm. 12 and 1, and then more coffee. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. uh, dinner, not at 4.30, but later on in the day. That would be good. You know, a uh, reasonable yeah, you're basically, dinner. basically, move that dinner up a little bit and you're ready to move into Del Boca Vista, basically. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'd be happy That's to go. old man eating right there. <laughs> be happy to go. That's, there's really nothing standing between us and like being 65 and retired or anything. Except the 30 years of like work we still need to do. That's right. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot to get done still. Uh, Courtney and Kendall, what they have to say? Uh, Courtney and Kendall, um, they have a bet wow. guessing the number of calzones that I, Akiva, could eat in one sitting. The loser takes the winner out for dinner, but it's not a date. <laughs> Kendall with a C thinks the calzone number is four. Courtney says two. They seem very filling. Do you know the expression about uh, ties, Rob? They go to the winner? They go to the runner? Well, that's one expression. Do you know another one? What's that? Like kissing your sister? Yeah, totally. That's it. <laughs> uh I that's what they got to do because my my guess was well, okay. Key, like, uh, you're coming off a little bit uh, a, a, a little bit pervy here on the podcast. No, no, that's an expression. Yes, it's, I, okay. I don't mean it like a gross way. Okay, just it, it fits there. Very uncharacteristic. Uh, yes, it's uh, well, uncharacteristic that I could only three. I feel like if I was a little, I, I just had a big meal. I feel like if I was a little hungry. I could, I would, I would have said four. Okay, a calzone is very filling, Key. I, I agree. Filling. I I see no way you could eat three calzones. No, this isn't like how many I would eat. It's if we're in a calzone eating contest. I'm not stopping at one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. How so. much time do I have? You know, they, the hot dog contest now, they only have 10 minutes. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, how much time do I have to eat these calzones? If I have like an unlimited time until I'm just going yeah, like to. I, guess, I mean, one. I think there's a reasonable amount of time. If it's a half hour, I think I could eat three. Yeah. If there's like a light at the end of the tunnel, like if you promised me, like if I eat three, like I get to pick who starts for the Jets next week, I would definitely eat three. <laughs> who would you pick? I just cancel the season. <laughs> cancel the season. Okay. Uh, Hunter wants to know, isn't this episode one of Wayne Knight's best performances? I love the way he delivers the line. I believe the deal was that's some good acting. Yeah, he is a really good actor. Makes He's very no good. Mistake. He's very good. All right. What about Dan, the benefactor? The morning Dan, the benefactor. Yes. Watching from the sidelines, just like we are. He says, uh, Dan was curious how accurate the scene with the $300 bag of changes. And it turns out it's pretty accurate. $300 in an average distribu- a distribution of change likely weighs somewhere between 23 pounds with quarters and 58 pounds without quarters. The bag Kramer is carrying looks to be around the low end of that range, so maybe found some quarters. Or he is in an unusually high concentration of dimes, which uh, are by far, I assuming he's saying are the lightest of the coins, right? Right. Either way, the scene is very plausible. Ooh, got to can't, can't put it. First of all, it is shocking. That this email is from Dan the Benefactor, not from Chester, who's sleeping on the job here again. <laughs> That's right. Now, did Kramer pay for the $300 in his own money or did Jerry have that much change lying around? I think it's like Jerry gave him cash and Kramer did this. Says like, uh, you know, like, hey, give me money and I'll I'll take care of it for you. Yeah, I'll really uh, throw the bag of pennies in his or face. Maybe, or maybe this is Kramer's 
saying no more to the coins. This is him giving up the coins. Yeah. I'm like, I'll take, you know, this is like me repaying you, Jerry, for all the years of uh, hospitality you've given me. Okay. Lindsay has a question. Lindsay wants to know, is the walk to the door really the trademark of a date? What do you guys make of this dating loophole? Oh, well, you come to the wrong people and yeah, and you know that. But is it's been many years walking someone to their door. Does that necessarily consummate a date? I think so. I think in, in a like in a platonic relationship, I don't think that's happening unless it's like a bad neighborhood or something or you bring, you know, a lady back late at night. I don't I think uh, I think the also are you driving and then like getting out and walking I don't know. The door? It's that's hard because question. I'm trying to think about this. Like if I had a female friend walk her to the yeah, door, yeah. but in what universe is this where I have a female friend? Right. It's so it's so hard to believe. It's like, yeah, like what if you had a pet monkey? And that was, you know, like it's just impossible to, to fathom. I, right. I, I can't even thing. imagine if I had a male friend, Keeve. <laughs> Do you dream about like having male friends? It's like, and then you wake up like, oh no, that's not possible. No, I yeah, I'm, that that and I haven't. Uh, was that the Bernie Sanders dream? Like he was your dream? Yeah, I don't know, that we've talked he about was your friend. Yeah, not having, not no. It's just like he just came over and I was just like talking to him, but it wasn't like he was my Would friend. You be friends with Bernie Sanders? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a great friend. He's more of like a Larry David style guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would, uh, you know, be fun. I guess I'd have dinner with him. That would be funny if your only friend was like a 75 year old man. Yeah. What would we talk about? I mean, I guess he'd have good stories and stuff like that. I don't think he's a big sports fan. I don't think you'd have much to talk about. Yeah. I I don't know. We have a lot in common. I I, I like asking about like SNL and stuff like that. We should have, you know, we should have. So of course your like bread and butter is reality TV. What if we did like a podcast reality show where we found you a friend? But what, do you I, want to be Rob's friend? Yeah, I feel uh, like we could get some media pickup from this. Do you just want from how sad it would be? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not di- I'm not dying for it. If anything, I want more alone time. But listen, the Bachelor doesn't have to pick like doesn't have to get engaged at the end. You know? Yeah. Like it, it's do you want to be Rob's friend? Like someone wins the season and they get a prize, but they don't. You don't have to commit to them as your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily dying for, you know, a friend to have. I, I think that, that, you know, that it's possible. Like I could have a friend if I was like a better friend, uh, if like I had more time for people to, to do stuff like or if, or if I was fun, maybe I would have friends. Yeah, it is getting depressing. Uh, <laughs> not it's fine. It's fine. Uh, what about Pat in Ohio? Swing state. Pat. How, yeah, Pat's probably. I'm impressed he or she could write this email being bombarded so much by uh, mm-hmm. all those callers, the robocallers. Uh, couldn't George have had the calzones delivered to his office instead? Odds are a different person would deliver them and George wouldn't have any tip jar issues. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit and you poo-pooed it that if you have them delivered, it defeats the purpose of George. But he could just like wait downstairs and say he's going to go pick them up. Also, if you called up and like, hey, Mr. Steinbrenner loves your calzones. Mm-hmm. Yes, they would. They would be. They, they would be bringing them free of house, and then they just like write their thing, like the preferred calzone of George. Right, Sunder. like if George Maybe said, no, 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 no. Look, picture yeah, came in with like a, you know a Paul, like a Paul O'Neill uh, signed picture and a bunch of baseballs. They, they come get. I look. I come in peace. That it was a misunderstanding. I'm bringing you this stuff. Like okay, fine. Yeah, because then eventually you could like this is a you know a, an establishment around Yankee Stadium. Like if you could become the official calzone of the New York Yankees, that's a big win. It's huge. Okay. Uh, Caleb says Kramer pays for calzones and change. What's the most expensive thing you've ever paid for in change? For me, I paid $10 in gas in all quarters. 
what's your most expensive thing? I, I mean, it has to be something from when I was in college. Like I remember like when not having a dollar to my name when I was in college and like literally like going through the cushions of the couch because at the bar that we would go to, it was like the special on like Tuesday night was $2.50 pitchers and sort of like trying to scrape together enough money and change to go to the bar to go and buy beer. But I don't think I've ever bought anything. You know what? That This is something like that's uh, extremely nerdy and uh, like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a window into myself and maybe why I don't have any friends at a young age either. <laughs> but you were, you were going to bar with people back then. No, no, no. I'm telling I, I, this is a different story. This is a segue into a different, a different embarrassing story. Okay, fine. That yeah. when I, I believe it was like 1994, 1994, there was a hallmark ornament of the USS Enterprise uh, of Star Trek The Next Generation, which I think cost like $25. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, I, I, like in August, I realized, oh boy, I can, I can buy this. We could have the Enterprise on the Christmas tree, Keith, if I save a quarter a day from now until uh, December. So mm-hmm. I, I, I took it upon myself to find, like I to, to scrape together a quarter every day so that I could go ahead and buy the Hallmark USS Enterprise. It's a good thing you're not Jewish. You would have had to figure out how to put it on a menorah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, and, and I did it. I did it. We, I made that happen. And you paid for it in coins. I'm not sure if I paid for it in quarters or if I converted the quarters to money. You like gave your parents like the, the coins. Right. But they, now they, they have like coin stars. So now like, a, you know, I have like a big, like a, like canister of change that I just need to, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, Ooh, what do I do with this? Like $60 found money. I, I got to buy something special with that. I don't want to just buy groceries with it. All right, I'm glad to know that like 35 year old Rob or however old you are, um, with, uh, you know, with no friends, it's not the low point in your life. It's the, it's the Star Trek enterprise on the Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> embarrassing. What about Colin, the pizza delivery guy? I don't know if we could go on past. I'm, I'm, I'm still stuck on the Star Trek. Star Trek. Uh, well, I mean, that, look, Keith, I'm, I'm opening up myself to, to you that th- I'm trying to. Uh, I don't want to you know, offend you with my uh, Christmas Star Trek stories. I don't think there's anything you could be less less interested in. No, no listen, last year we said we were uh, soldiers in the war against the war on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Matt in Massachusetts says, did either of us find it odd that Wilhelm wasn't at the meeting? Right? Mm-hmm. Wilhelm was harder than George. Yeah. And they just didn't want to pay his character. Yeah. Um, but Colin, the pizza delivery correspondent says, uh, we get a lot of people who wrestle with George's thought that if they don't notice it, what's right. Uh, so Colin, delivery correspondent. So no, no better person to have right here. He says, this generally comes in the form of the overly generous tipper likes to make a show of their lavish benevolence by paying the bill. Then peeling off an extra five or ten of their corpulent wad of cash to give to the poor, struggling delivery guy. This is much better than the non-tipper who, embarrassed by their wet and disregard for society's rules, pays the bill, says they don't need a receipt and gets that out of there, closing the front door in the delivery guy's face. Yeah. OK. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, I never really worked in a big uh, tip industry. Uh, I used to be a like waiter in a catering hall. I would get tipped uh, a little bit there. And I was like a, a waiter. Actually, I was a bartender at one point. So I guess I had a couple of tip related jobs. Yeah, I like I, I think every job should be tips. I feel like if I do a good job at work, my you know, I, you should get I should get tipped. Yeah, I don't do know you, if I who do you work in like a cash industry? 
No, definitely not. So, yeah, it's hard. I think if you're not in a cash industry, hard to get the the tips. I don't know. All okay. right. You would say, save the worst for last. Chester says, Jerry's theory about Gak's loophole is identical to what George does with Heather in The Chicken Roaster. And they're both written by Berg and Schaefer. So no excuse for the writers of the later episode not remembering. So I don't remember. What does George do in The Chicken Roaster with Heather? Got to put a pin in that and come back to it when we get to Chicken Roaster? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so George, so George, uh, George steals Heather's clock. And they make a trade for the hat, and it's a whole it's a whole thing. We'll get up to it in the chicken roaster, but I, it's not an exact comparison, Chester. Yeah, I don't see it. It's like comparing it's like comparing the Vikings to the Patriots. You, <laughs> you might think it's a good comparison, but they're in two different leagues, right? And uh, yeah, I don't think it's a one for one. And then also, uh, Chester wants to know uh, how is Paisano's on Newman's mail route when we've seen uh, Jerry cover Newman's route? It was in the city, so what is Newman doing in the Bronx? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. Okay. Uh, we got some reviews from people. I don't know if we need to read all of them, but Keith, do you have some favorites? Uh, sure. We got the uh, top Seinfeld podcast of all time. Wow. By Pret77. Give us five stars. It says, Akiva and Rob are by far the best duo in podcasting today. Akiva's quirky. Rob is hilarious. He mixed up our names. Sometimes I listen and wonder how the heck they started discussing some random topic, like why Akiva hasn't seen Ghostbusters or one of the many other uh, movies that most Americans have seen, but he has not. Oh, and they also spend about two hours discussing a 22-minute TV show from a quarter century ago. And every second of the two hours is worth it. Oh, wow. I highly recommend you give it a listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. He clearly hasn't heard this episode yet. My brother is visiting right now. And I told him, like, I have to do the Seinfeld podcast. So I'll be about like two hours. He's like, but you do two hours on one <laughs> episode of Seinfeld? Well, you should have had him. You yeah. should have had your brother on this episode. Where is he? <laughs> He's in the other Bring room. Yeah. Couldn't be, couldn't be less interested. Okay. Uh, Doug Reiser says. Is he a uh, friends guy? Um, I have to ask him. I don't know if he's like a Wilmer Flores. We could have at least had him in for the Jets discussion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's back, baby. That's from Doug. He says, Robin Keefe do a great job podcasting an episode of Seinfeld every week. I love being able to watch Seinfeld and listen to these guys discuss the episode. It is so much fun. Yeah. Megan's mom says, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, still watching all the reruns. When I found Rob's podcast, it was like Seinfeld episodes came back to life. Even the episodes where, which I've seen repeatedly take on new meaning as Robin Keefe. Give me new insight to some of the greatest and minor details I didn't realize I missed. You two are every bit as funny. You could have rep- written episode. Many thanks. Oh, well, probably one of the bad episodes. Yeah. We Sleeping Ute says, uh, yeah, we could have written like uh, the uh, <laughs> mail on bombs. We, 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 we could have done that. <laughs> we could have got time uh, to cancel before it really got going. Sleeping Ute says uh, Rob and Akiva are literally God's gift to podcasting. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, What about uh, this is from Darren who says manure. It's newer, which is good and has ma in front of it. Manure. These guys rarely step right in it. Uh, Considering the other choices, this podcast is actually pretty refreshing. Whether you're discussing fantasy football or the expense of satellite television, Rob and Wheels keep you on the edge of your seat. Well, maybe not the edge of your seat, but moderately interested, at least. Their off topic ramblings add a little extra something. And you'll never hear me saying that I'm getting upset because they've strayed from the episode subject matter. I'm going to be disappointed when the podcast comes to an end, but I'll be awaiting their second run through. Yeah. Waiting. <laughs> Keep yeah. waiting. Uh, and, and to close it out, Big Bear 224. These are all five stars. Uh, says these two guys do a wonderful and hilarious job reviewing all the Seinfeld episodes. If you're into Seinfeld or even if you just like a comedy with like like if you like B-movie. Mm-hmm. 
I don't yeah. understand what the what the alternative would be. If you like, I don't like Seinfeld, but I love comedies with Jerry Seinfeld. Yes, I'm not sure what Big Bear is handing out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there like a different? Is you know what other comedies? Oh, don't with Jerry mock the oh, I'm not, people I'm not, I'm not. that are leaving the reviews. I'm not. Like, I'm just. I just. Don't we're know lucky what they mean. to get the reviews, Keith. Yeah, no, Big Bear is going to switch it to a one star. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let let me know what you mean, Big Bear. Uh, but I, I'm honored and, uh, you know, keep them coming. Let's get to 200. We're almost at 200. Let's get to 200. So go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keith, what's the hashtag? Oh, I don't even know. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you, what do you find Rob a friend? Find, no, I, I don't know if you, I, I, again, find, find, uh, Rob, uh, you know, time to be alone. Rob wants 28 hours in his day. <laughs> yeah. What would you do with the extra four hours? I'm, I'm already on record that I would like. Half it would be sleeping. Half it would be watching more TV. I'd catch up on shows. Yeah, I mean, where are the four hours coming from? Are they in the middle of the day? What's going on? Uh, now you're blowing my mind. Like, does it stay I, I, darker I, for four more hours? Is it like a Zach Morris situation where you have four hours, but like nobody else is doing anything? I, like, I, well, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, if nobody else is doing anything, I'd probably sleep at least three of them, I think. Or you could just drive. There'd be no traffic. I'm not, I, like, or is the traffic frozen on the road? It'd be maybe frozen on the road. You couldn't get anywhere. Yeah, it'd be like impenetrable. Yeah, you have to walk, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, let's go with, let's see, uh, anything with calzones, pizza ovens, gack, pennies, tips, wasn't, millhouse. Wasn't gack, wasn't gack like that, like sticky stuff the kids would play with? It was like, sure. like a grosser Play-Doh. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I don't have anything. <laughs> Cigars, Peru. Speed check your privilege. Uh, speed check your privilege. Let's go with that. Good job, Keeve. All right. Uh, Keith, what's coming up on the 32 fans podcast? You're just complaining about the Jets? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm over them. Yeah. I'm complaining about the Jets. I'm depressed. I feel like it's, it's seeped over into this podcast, my depression over the Jets. What was the high um, point of the Seinfeld podcast era of Jets football? Probably beating the Patriots week 16 of last year? I feel like it's preseason always. It's like getting our hopes up before like the first quarter of, of one game. No, we, I mean, Keith, we were at uh, we had a win in your in situation uh, last year heading into week 17. We probably were riding high. Yeah, it was probably. Uh, yeah. If we went back and listened, I'm sure we talked about it and we were making all sort of plans to fly to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah we, look at, we just get hot, just get hot like a pizza oven. The Jets we just put the Jets team in the calzone machine for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> Could be Since red then, hot. Been yeah. All right. So that's our uh, podcast this week. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing. And, uh, you know, some weeks uh, we really, uh, you know, put him through his paces uh, with these editing. So uh, thanks so much to Scott and, of course, Mike Moore for the recap. We'll be back. Uh, oh, Keith, this is what we have to talk about. So uh, I asked Keith beforehand, before we came on, about. The schedule for next week. I'm going to be flying into New York. I'm going to be on a very tight schedule. I had said I thought that maybe next week might need to be our bye week. We haven't taken a week off in probably in a good what we ever or 150 episodes. Never. We've never taken a week off. Okay. One time we like recorded Monday for the next week, but that's it. All right. Well, I don't know how necessarily we're going to make this work. Keith, have you had any thoughts about this? Keith couldn't even talk about it when we when I brought this up. Listen, it's like Cal Ripken, you know, his streak ended and we're at, what are we at? One, this, this was one thirty. We only have 50 to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Listen, either way, get your emails in for the bottle deposit because it'll either be this week or next week. Because it's a two part episode when we come back. So uh, there's no way we mm-hmm. can take on a two part episode next week. Yeah. You won't even have time to watch it. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't want to commit to anything uh, right now, but 
do your normal thing. And if you don't see it, then just save your, you know, emails for, for the following week for the bottle. All right. Message us on Twitter. If you have any thoughts uh, in terms of that. So thanks so much for listening. We do appreciate the feedback and reviews. Post show recaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.